mama told me. Yeah, black pastry, mama told me. Yeah, yeah, come on. Mama told me one day I'ma grow up big and I'ma be a king. And my papa told me it's okay to say what shit hurts. Don't forget your dreams 'cause they'll get you through this. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the first Championship Rounds MMA podcast. I'm Andy Jarek, your host for the next, oh, 30 minutes or so, and we're going to be talking UFC 144 coming up this Saturday, February 25th. Fun part about this, this is the first UFC event in Japan in about 12 years now, and there's one heck of a card. Now, this is my first podcast doing this kind of thing, so I'm going to explain to you what I kind of have as an idea here. Calling it the championship rounds because in a typical MMA championship fight, five rounds, five minutes of fighting apiece. I'm going to do that by breaking down the main card into five separate sections. Now, as you may know, this main card has uh, seven fights on it, not five like the usual UFC cards do. So two of the sections are going to have two fights. I'm going to look through, obviously, the more preliminary or card, uh, preliminary or fights. Anthony Pettis, Joe Lozon, Hatsuhiyoki, Bart Palaszewski will share, and then Yushin Okami and Tim Boach, and Yoshihiro Akiyama versus Jake Shields are going to share, you know, sections. So, how about we get started? Right now, first fight on this card, Anthony Pettis versus Joe Lozon. Both men coming off of a victory. Joe Lozon recently uh, submitted Melvin Gillard with a rear naked choke. Anthony Pettis coming off a, but someone kind of, some said a sort of ho-hum decision over Jeremy Stevens, I guess a little bit of a wrestle fest, kind of making sense. Pettis, as you may have know, lost to Clay Guida, Clay Guida in the past by basically a wrestle fest. A lot of people uh, argue with that decision, saying, you know, Pettis looked pretty good against Guida off his back, but Guida with, you know, some smothering top control and a little bit of ground and pound here and there, doing maybe a little bit too much damage to Pettis to to get Pettis to win. But let's move on to this fight. Pettis and Lozon, both guys very dynamic. I'm Joe Lozon, we'll start off with him. He's been known as kind of a first-round type guy. If he's able to, you know, he can tap Melvin Gillard in one round. You know, he can do a lot of things. He looked really good against George Sotoropoulos in the first round, then fell victim to Kamora in the second. A lot of people saying if Joe Lozon can, you know, if he's got a time, it's a first. And it's not even that he gasses too terribly much in the later rounds. He just, opponents seem to figure him out. He doesn't adjust his strategy as well. And, you know, against Anthony Pettis, I'm not totally sure if that's going to work. Pettis, obviously, we've seen the Showtime kick off the cage against Ben Henderson in the last WC, WEC event. But, you know, Anthony Pettis right now, he's on... He's an excellent striker and an excellent submission artist, as both of these guys are. They're somewhat similar, but also, you know, quite different. And, you know, right now, if, if I had to pick somebody, which obviously I will be doing, I will be giving picks for each of these particular fights, I'm going to say give me Anthony Pettis. I think he's a little more diverse in the striking game. He also brings that little bit of um, uniqueness, I guess, the fact that a little bit of unpredictability. There we go. You don't really know what Anthony Pettis is going to do. Obviously, nobody expected him to jump off of the cage and kick Ben Henderson in the face and in that WCEC fight and cement that decision victory for him. I mean, I'm not saying that Joe Lozon isn't capable. This is pretty close to a toss-up, in my opinion. I believe Anthony Pettis is the favorite here, and sort of with good reason. I'm going to take Pettis. I'm going to take him in a second-round TKO. Okay, next fight. Hatsu Hiyoki, Bart Palaszewski. This is a featherweight bout. Um, a lot of implications for this bout is that it could be end up being a title eliminator, perhaps. Hatsu Iyoki coming off of a split decision victory 
over George Root, Bart Palaszewski coming off a victory against Tyson Griffin. Both, again, off of a win. We all know how Joe Silva, the matchmaker for the UFC, likes to work things. Um, right now, I mean, Hatsuyoki, he came into the UFC with a lot of hype. He was supposed to be a, a big contender, a big guy, possibly you know making a run up against Jose Aldo, the featherweight champion. Now, he did beat George Roop, but this was supposed to be sort of a showcase fight. And, you know, Roop took it to Hiyoki also. It was only a, it was a split decision victory. Very contested. I personally scored the fight for Hatsu Hiyoki. But, you know, at the same time, I don't think it was, you know, too much of a robbery. I, if it had went to Roop, I wouldn't exactly have been up in arms and screaming bloody murder against that one. But... You know, it still was a very contested fight, though, and George Roop did surprise some people in taking it to Hiyoki. But, you know, overall, you know, I guess a, a good start to the, his UFC career, and, I mean, he needed a win initially. Of course, you need to get a, get a win quickly, and I guess however you can get it done. Now, looking at Bart Palaszewski, a guy who's, a guy who is 36 and 14 right now, and you know, again, he's still a younger guy. He's got plenty of uh, some. He's got he's got plenty of time left in his UFC career. He is only 28 years old. So I mean, he's got I would say maybe five six years if he continues to win in this organization. We're you know I'm going to see him a lot. I'm I'm sure. You know, 36 wins, 17 by knockout, 11 submission, eight decisions. So majority of his fights do get finished, which is. Um, you know, something that obviously a lot of people like to see. And, you know, against Hatsuhiyoki, he's an underdog. I'm, I kind of like Bart Palaszewski. Obviously, you get that KO of Tyson Griffin in your mind, and you're kind of thinking, okay, this guy's he's going to probably be able to do some work now. But, again, Hatsuhiyoki is a, a smothering guy with good top control, good, good grappling there. I'm thinking Hiyoki probably by, you know, a unanimous decision, I would have to guess. So that will wrap up our first five minutes, and I was able to stuff two fights in there and surprise myself a little bit. So let's move on to this next you know, group of time or so. Um, next fight, Yushin Okami, Yushin Thunder Okami versus Tim the Barbarian Boach. Now, Yushin Okami, if you remember, his last fight was against Anderson Silva at UFC Rio, UFC 134, kind of the same thing. And he was you know, knocked out by Anderson Silva. Didn't really give a inspiring performance. We kind of, you know, expected Okami to at least make it competitive. You saw what, you know, previously Chael Sonnen had done to uh, done to Anderson Silva, and you're thinking that maybe Yushin Okami could give a little bit of that, but, you know, not not that fight. The first round was somewhat close. I mean, I Silva 10-9, but still close-ish. And then, you know, in the second round, Silva just started picking apart. Uh, Okami got the TKO victory. Last fight for Tim the Barbarian Boach. Uh, recently, he was at a uh, light heavyweight. He has moved down to middleweight since, and he's been 2-0 since that. He'd beaten Kendall Grove in his last fight against Nick Ring back at UFC 135, an event after 134, obviously. Uh, Tim Boach, since he's moved down to middleweight, he's used a lot of his strength. He's, he's a little bit stockier of a guy. Not a ton, I guess, of muscle when you see him. He's not you know a chiseled guy, but still a lot of strength. And the thing is, both of these guys, they like the clinch. Tim Boach, an excellent judo practitioner, likes a lot of trips. We saw one of them against Nick Ring, a judo throw, a fantastic-looking one. Yushin Okami likes to work dirty boxing on the clinch, trips, some throws as well. So, I mean, if you're looking for two guys to start throwing, you know, spinning back fists and head kicks like they're going out of business, you're going to want to wait for another fight, or you're going to want to probably rewatch Pettis Lozon. Because you're going to see, I, I mean, you, you look at these guys on paper, they're, they're grinder types. I mean, they're not the most entertaining for the fans to watch, but you still have to admire and re really realize the strategy that these guys use. So, I mean, this fight, 
even though you know Alkami's coming off a loss, Tim Boch coming up coming off a win, Boch has never really faced someone with quite the skills of Yushin Okami. I mean, Boch has faced uh, Phil Davis before. Phil Davis was younger, though. Yushin Okami, he's kind of in his prime, I would say. I'm going to take Okami, three-round deci- uh, unanimous decision, again, by mostly you know controlling the octagon, working the dirty boxing, and getting himself a decision, maybe blooding Boch up a little bit. Next fight we've got Yoshihiro Akiyama versus Jake Shields. Now, both of these guys coming off a loss as well. Yoshihiro Akiyama, as you may know, uh, knocked out by Vitor Belfort last at UFC uh, 133 a while ago, actually. I feel I don't know why, but I feel like it was he's fought since then. Obviously, he has not. Jake Shields uh, recently lost to Jake Ellenberger, who knocked him out with a, a big knee at um, UFC. Uh, yeah, the fight night. Yeah, the battle on the Bayou, Shields versus Ellenberger. Dumb, losing my mind here. Both guys on a losing streak, if you will, obviously. Shields losing to St. Pierre, if you remember, back in April at UFC 129. And poor uh, Akiyama has been fed a murderer's row, I guess, of opponents for a guy who isn't really winning fights. Obviously, he fought Vitor Belfort, Michael Bisping, Chris Lieben at 116, and his only win in the UFC against Alan Belcher, a split decision at UFC 100. So possibly even you could make an argument that you know uh, Akiyama is... 0-4 in the UFC and will be cut with a loss. I mean, Akiyama, this is a welterweight bout, Akiyama moving down in weight. This is something that I, I guess we've kind of been seeing as a theme for UFC fighters. These guys who, they've lost a fight or two, they're done at a weight class. We saw with Kenny Florian, obviously, moving down to 145 to challenge for Jose Aldo, um, who Florian looked like a skeleton. He was a competitive fight, but still, it didn't even look terribly healthy for him. Now, Akiyama, he's got judo as well. Yeah, but the thing is, you're going up against Jake Shields, who in his own right is a very good grappler. Not a judo practitioner, but very underrated ground, well, not underrated ground game, a very good ground game, good submissions from Jake Shields. The thing is, Akiyama holds a clear advantage standing. Jake Shields standing got, as I said, uh, kneed into oblivion by Jake Ellenberger. And I, I guess his fight with George St. Pierre was one of the more boring, I guess, stand-up fights I've, I've ever seen in my life. Not exactly the most entertaining or, or fun one, but we didn't see anything really out of the blue from Jake Shields. We saw a lot of jabs, jab straights, the occasional hook, and the kind of you know half-assed leg kick. Nothing, again, nothing too terribly, you know, not saying that just because you can throw spinning back fists and heel kicks that you're a better striker, but at least you're more athletic and you've got at least the confidence. I haven't seen any confidence from Jake Shields on the feet. Now, that's okay. I mean, I'm not going to say it's okay because in this age of mixed martial arts, you need to be a well-rounded guy. But right now, Jake Shields isn't really showing me much of anything on the feet. If Akiyama can keep it standing, obviously he does hold that advantage. But the thing is, will he be able to? I mean, he got engaged in a ground game with Chris Lieben, of all people, and ended up getting triangle choked in the third. Granted, that was after gassing, which, there we go, there's another thing you got to bring up. Will Akiyama's gas tank be well enough to last potentially three rounds? Jake Shields has gone five plenty of times before. I mean, he went five against Dan Henderson, Mayhem Miller, George St. Pierre. Those are three excellent guys who kept pressing the action. Akiyama's getting, you know, gassed against Chris Lieben. There's, I mean, yeah, okay, it was a great fight, him and uh, Akiyama and Lieben, but at the same time, you don't want your guys to be gassing. Um, right now, uh, my heart is telling me go with Akiyama in a little bit of an upset, but I I really think Jake Shields is going to do it. I think, yeah, I'm I'm thinking a unanimous decision. Also, I hate to sound like a broken record with these guys, but I don't see 
Shields finishing Akiyama. Maybe he taps him later in the second or third if Akiyama gasses. Maybe he latches on a rear naked or something like that. But I'm not seeing a, a whole lot of – I'm not picking that with a lot of confidence in a finish in that particular fight. All right, moving on here to, I guess, round three, if you will. The first five minutes I'll be able to spend on an entire fight. This is a heavyweight bout between Mark Hunt and Czech Congo. Mark Hunt, you, you look at these guys, obviously, you're in Japan, you want to get Japanese guys or big-name guys, and you see the French flag of Czech Congo and Mark Hunt. I believe that's Australia, I, I think, I hope. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. New Zealand, sorry about that. But Mark Hunt, a huge name in pride for a guy who's only got a record of, I think, 7-7. Seven and seven or 8-8, eight eight. I know it's an, an even record. Yeah, 7-7. Seven seven. The, the guy has done a bunch also in K1 kickboxing. He's, you know, 30-13 and 13 in that. So I, I guess in Japan he's making a little bit of his name of himself for a guy who's been around for quite a while. But Mark Hunt, Chuck Congo, this fight, um, a lot of people are, are picking Congo early. A little bit uh, Congo, a good striker in his own right. But he's a solid wrestler, a solid offensive wrestler. Defensively, not the best we've seen. Offensively, above average, I would say. A little bit underrated in those respects. And a lot of people saying if he can get Mark Hunt to the ground, he'll be able to ground and pound him, probably come out with a second-round stoppage, third-round stoppage. I mean, Mark Hunt right now, if, if he wants to win this fight, I, I hate to say he's going to have to get it done early. And Hunt's last fight against Ben Rothwell, both men gassed uh, early. I remember they were up in Colorado for that one. This was all the way UFC 135, yeah, against Ben Rothwell. He did win that fight. He uh, was able to, I guess, gas less than Ben Rothwell, not a whole lot. But, you know, we saw Mark Hunt look halfway decent in that fight, which, you know, the thing is, we kind of brought him in. You know, the UFC kind of brought him in, not necessarily just as a name value. They didn't really think, I figured, that he would win two in a row. But he beat uh, Chris uh, Tookshurer. I'm sorry, I don't, Tookshurer, something like that. I mean, he beats Tookshire, um, you know, he KOs him, basically, a big old uppercut, and then, you know, beats Ben Rothwell, who is still, Ben Rothwell is a decent heavyweight. He really is. If he didn't gas, I mean, maybe it'd be more of a contest, but, you know, Rothwell did solid against, or, sorry, hunted solid against Ben Rothwell, and a lot of people here are picking him in an upset. I know I kind of said a lot of people are picking Congo, but I, I guess, you know, for a, a fight that Congo is a clear favorite in, and I think should be. Um, because the thing is, Mark Hunt has got to find Congo's chin. Uh, you know, we know that Congo's chin isn't exactly the best, as he has been rocked by Pat Barry, t- uh, knocked down, and then eventually guillotined by Frank Mir. Um, uh, not necessarily the most confident chin in Chuck Congo, but the thing is, Mark Hunt has got to find that. And if Chuck Congo is taking him down, if he's pressing him up against the cage, again, dirty boxing, something like that, if he can, if Congo can, you know, keep the space to a minimum and not give Hunt time to unload his bombs, which I'm going to say, the guy hits with power. Hunt hits with a lot of power, and he can take a lot of shots. Congo, smartest idea for him is to get the fight to the ground, get it to somewhere where you know he can control the pace, and he's clearly at an advantage. I know that kind of sounds well, duh. Of course, he wants to win where he's got an advantage, but you know, in in this case, Congo, you got to play it safe because I mean, Pat Barry hits hard. But I think Mark Hunt hits a little bit harder. And, I mean, I, I don't really have a particular favor that I'm rooting for in this fight. I like both guys, actually, very much. But, you know, if Chuck Hunger wants to win this, Mark Hunt, he wants to win this fight against Mark Hunt. Congo's got to play it smart. Uh, it can't be too aggressive. My guess is that, you know, a lot of these guys, when you're facing someone who's, you know, equivalent to your skills, both guys, again, decent stand-up fighters, um, then, you know, Congo might want to prove a point. 
I might want to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I can kickbox with this guy. I can beat him around a little bit and then maybe take him down. See, if I'm Chet Congo, and I know, again, it's not the most entertaining way to win, but, you know, you, you, you wrestle the guy, you control him on the ground, you know, you land some ground and pound, get some elbows in there, get some knees to the body, if you will, a little bit of stuff like that, then I think he's, he's just obviously a lot more likely to win. Because we've seen Hunt's ground skills. are not exactly there. He was submitted by Sean McCorkle in his UFC debut. Hunt was submitted with a straight armbar there. So, I mean, you know that his ground skills aren't exactly there. Hilariously, he did attempt an armbar against Ben Rothwell as well. Didn't really do anything there, but, I mean, I about crap my pants. This is a lot of, you know, journal, MMA journalists and people on Twitter, and that's saying, holy crap, you know, Mark Hunt's going for an armbar, and it actually doesn't even look that bad. Obviously, that did not end up working out as he beat Ben Rothwell by decision in that fight, but still a, a lot. <laughs> I guess, you know, hope springs eternal for Mark Hunt. If I had to make a pick in this one, um, I'm going to go with Chet Congo. I think he stops Mark Hunt. Third round, TKO, some sort of maybe a ground and pound in there. I I just think Hunt or Congo is too good on the ground, too skilled offensively. I mean, Mark Hunt's not going to be throwing up triangles and arm bars and, you know, hip escapes. I, I you know, your heart says, my heart again kind of says Hunt. It'd be kind of cool to see him, you know, pull the upset here. But the, the head says Chet Congo, and that's what I'm going with. Third round TKO on that one. All right, fourth fight of the card here, the co-main event, Quinton Rampage Jackson versus Ryan Bader. Now, both of these guys, well, actually, wait, hold on now. Bader's coming off of a win, I do believe. Yeah, Quinton Jackson lost, if you remember, against uh, John Jones, obviously, last at UFC 135 by rear naked choke. And an entertaining fight, I would say. Not the worst performance we've seen from Quentin, but, you know, that's kind of what happens when you're going up against John Jones. And Ryan Bader in his last performance, he did uh, knock out Jason Brills at UFC 139. Before that, if you remember him getting a guillotine choke by Tito Ortiz at UFC 132 in the summer. So, I mean, both guys looking to rebound here, even though, you know, yeah, okay, Ryan Bader knocked out Jason Brills, but again, not quite the hardest thing to do in the world. Ryan Bader obviously looking towards the future here, still a very young guy. And then you got uh, Quentin Jackson, who's hinted a little bit at, at possibly retiring. I mean, he hasn't said anything in stone, but he's kind of thought of, I guess he's thinking about it a little bit. I mean, the guy's had a heck of an MMA career. He's, he's won championships in multiple organizations. He's a fan favorite. He's got a highlight reel of knockouts. I mean, Quentin Jackson, if, and, you know, he's a hero in Japan. This is why he's on this card. I mean, he kind of said, I want to be on Japan. And at the time, we had thought about possibly seeing Jackson and Shogun Rua. Uh, that would have been one heck of a battle. But, you know, Ryan Bader coming to town. Ryan Bader is not somebody who should be underrated in this fight and should not be you know, thought of as just kind of a throwaway for Quentin Jackson. I mean, Bader, an excellent wrestler. But the thing is, Quentin Jackson is an excellent defensive wrestler. We don't see Quentin doing a ton of ground and pound nowadays. You know, primarily he's a boxer still. But, you know, Ryan Bader, uh, All-American wrestler, NCAA Division I, uh, done a lot of work there, and he's got that power bomb of a right hand. I mean, that thing could probably... I've made the joke with Shane Carwin that his hands could barbecue a cow. I'm pretty sure Ryan Bader's could do exactly the same. But the thing is, Bader holds a large advantage over Quentin Jackson on the ground. Getting it there, still the hardest part. Like I said, Jackson was able to you know stop a few of John Jones's takedowns that really nobody really expected him to do. Quentin Jackson looked pretty decent in that John Jones fight for the first couple of rounds till you know well, Jones started having his way with him. But, you know, Ryan Bader, but he doesn't, Ryan Bader has a power double. Power double leg takedown, single leg. 
He's not, you know, a clinch guy. He's not a thrower, really. He's just kind of a simple wrestler, if you will. Quentin Jackson is going to be able to hold his own against that. He did so against Matt Hamill. He's going to probably do the same against Bader in the wrestling aspect. So as I don't see Quentin Jackson trying to take down Bader, I'm going to call that kind of a wash right now. I'm feeling that this fight, for the most part, is going to be decided on the feet. And that's when it starts to get interesting. Both guys... Pretty decent strikers. I mean, Ryan Bader, like I said, he's got that big right hand. He's got a lot of power in his fist. But again, relatively one-dimensional. He's pretty much a boxer as well. You don't see him throwing a ton of kicks. Quentin Jackson is basically, <laughs> poor guy, he's kind of given up, you know, kicking and, if you will, you know, checking leg kicks. He's, I don't want to say he's only headhunting, but he's been wanting to just fight someone who would box him, who would stand up and fight him. And I think Ryan Bader especially if the wrestling isn't working and maybe the first round or so, is going to oblige. And the thing is, Bader's kind of walking right into Jackson's hands. Ha, ha, ha. We'll see if that actually happens. But, you know, Jackson, he's got he's an excellent counterboxer. You see a knockout of uh, Vanderlei Silva um, back in, well, in his UFC, the third fight in that trilogy, knocking out Vanderlei Silva. Um, you know, a counter left hook there. Jackson is a very good boxer. That, that, that's the thing. He's not just a guy with power in his hands. He's actually got some technique and some skill also that Ryan Bader, we haven't seen a lot of. Now, I know, I'm sure Bader's going to be training stand-up fighting. There's no reason he wouldn't be, obviously. But Quentin Jackson's been doing it for a little bit longer. And if this indeed is Jackson's swan song, if this is his last fight in the octagon, perhaps the last fight in his life, then, I mean, he's going to actually, I feel like he'll be motivated. I don't want to say he wasn't motivated against Jones for the title, but nothing quite motivates a person as going out on their shield. I mean, Jackson, I'm sure he does not want to lay down with a whimper, you know, and lose like a decision to Bader who wrestles him. I actually really think Jackson's going to be motivated. He's going to be training his butt off a little bit. And I, I'm going to pick Quentin Jackson second round, probably a TKO. I think he hurts Bader. Bader, you know, crumples to the ground. Jackson finishes it up with, you know, some some ground and pound or, you know, strikes from standing over Bader, something like that. Um, should be should be a good fight. If you had to pick one, I guess that would be going – that would be sure to get a knockout, probably this one, and then obviously Hunt Congo is uh, not too far behind in second place. So moving on to the very last fight of the card, your main event, lightweight championship bout, the champion – Frankie the answer Edgar versus Ben Henderson. Now this fight, oh geez, this fight. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time since uh, Henderson beat Clay Guida back at UFC on Fox 1 in a fight that should have been televised as it kind of incorporated all that is good about the UFC and should have been played before the Junior Dos Santos Cain Velasquez heavyweight fight, heavyweight championship fight. Um Ben Henderson has won that. He's won three in a row here in the octagon against Mark Bocek, Jim Miller, and Clay Guida. So, I mean, this guy, he's ready. He knows what he's got to do against Frank Yeager. Frank Yeager coming off of a uh, TKO victory against Gray Maynard. Um, and then before that, fighting Gray Maynard to a draw after arguably losing a 10-7 round in the first after <laughs> poor Edgar absorbed about the beating of a lifetime but showed, you know, it's stereotypical to say, but, you know, the, the heart of a champion. I mean, battling back to a draw against Maynard. And the thing is, it was kind of the same thing in uh, their third fight, I guess, the most recent fight of them. Uh, Edgar, again, got hurt in the first round, nearly finished at a couple of occasions, not quite the beatdown that he uh, absorbed against Gray Maynard in their second fight, but still a 10-8 round for Gray Maynard there. And 
ended up TKO him. Or, yeah, I think it was a TKO or a KO. I don't remember the official um, guidelines, but yeah, it was it was a straight up knockout. Okay, yeah, you're right. Straight up knockout there against uh, against Maynard. And you know the guy again, he's got the heart. He's got one heck of a heart. He's got good boxing. He's got excellent uh, movement, feet movement there. He's able to you know stick and move, stick and move, jabs and straights. He throws kicks. He's a pretty good wrestler for a small guy, a small champion here at 155. It's Frankie Edgar, so he's very much well-rounded. But the thing is, you look at Ben Henderson, who is in his own right very well-rounded. He's a good wrestler as well. He's a big, strong guy. Now, the thing is, Gray Mater came to strike against Frankie Edgar. Ben Henderson, I don't know if he's looking to strike with Frankie Edgar, at least not strike in you know standing. He's probably going to look to... I would guess take this fight down to the ground and see what Edgar can do when there's a big Ben Henderson, you know, laying against you, uh, pushing at you, punching you in the face, hitting you in the body, smothering you basically. I mean, we didn't see a whole lot of wrestling in the in the three, the two most recent Gray Maynard fights. These were, you know, primarily decided on the feet, in which Edgar did hold an advantage after he absorbed his beatings. Now Ben Henderson is again a big wrestler. I think he he can smother uh, smother Frankie Edgar and possibly, you know, win a decision there. You look at, uh, the cardio though. The thing is Frankie Edgar has went five rounds. He, he's went, he went five rounds three times or twice with BJ Penn and once against Gray Mayer and then went into the fourth and their, uh, their most recent fight. Henderson, you know, people are saying, oh, he doesn't have a whole lot of cardio. You know, he's been five rounds before he went five rounds with Anthony Pettis in one heck of a back and forth brawl. I mean, he looked very good against Jim Miller and Mark Bocek. He not breathing terribly hard. He looked like he could go two more. Again, I don't necessarily see cardio really being an issue in this particular fight. I think these guys are gonna they're gonna come in. They're not gonna get tired. I don't really see either of them gassing. I mean, the thing is, they both have so much honor in them that I think, and they train so hard that I think it would be a disservice to them, or they believe it would be a disservice to their fans to the UFC if one of them was not to put on the performance of a lifetime. Again, this fight is um, one heck of a fight. Frankie Edgar is the favorite, the odds-on favorite right now. I think for the, like, I want to say probably the first time in, you know, the four fights he's had for the title, two against Penn, he was an underdog against, I believe, the two against Maynard he was also. Maybe the first one against Maynard he held the favorite, but second one I actually think he may have been the underdog as well. But, you know, both guys have tools to win. That's the thing. It's just a matter of who's going to implement them. Now, Edgar, again, he's got a counter strike. He's got to stay on his feet, pester Ben Henderson, take him off a little bit, maybe force him into making a mistake or two. Edgar can capitalize. I mean, and Henderson, he's got to get past that close distance. He's got to turn this into kind of, again, a, a grinding battle. A lot of groundwork, a lot of good position control. Can't let Frankie Edgar get up to his feet too much because I, I guess I'd give, I would give Edgar the edge on the feet, not by a ton, but, you know, a fair, a fair edge there. And Ben Anderson, I would give the edge to on the ground. Again, not a huge edge, as I mean, Frank Yeager is a, a decent ground game. He's a good wrestler in his own right. But again, two separate advantages there. Cardio is, you know, I'd say pretty much dead even. Maybe I guess you give a little bit of an edge to Edgar, not too much. Heart, you have to give an edge to Edgar and Hart. But, you know, both guys, we've seen Ben Hart, he's, he's fought through, I guess, adversity, if you will, by dominating people. He doesn't let up at all. He constantly tries to finish fights. And I think this one, people, a lot of people are talking about uh, Carlos Condit and Nick Diaz being, you know, the fight of the year, a potential fight of the year. 
uh, my mind. Obviously, now that that one has gone and passed, and I can talk about that at another time. But this particular fight, this so far has got to be the front runner for fight of the year. Um, my pick for this one, give me Edgar. I have picked against him in the you know the last four. I picked against him against both Maynard fights, both Penn fights. Didn't think he would do it. Admittedly, maybe he was gifted a little bit of a decision in the first Penn fight to become the champion. But you know, in in this one, give me Frankie Edgar. He's he he. he I really truly think he is the answer. Um, I think he probably he decisions. Ben Henderson, don't think he finishes him. As we've seen, Ben Henderson is nearly impossible to finish. So I, I'm not totally sure uh, Edgar's going to be tapping him or you know knocking him out or TKOing him, anything like that. Um, I, I hope, I really hope this is a barn burner. I think it would do great in Japan. A lot of people, you know, saying that this particular fight isn't going to draw a lot of money. This card isn't. The thing is, it's not going to draw to me a ton of money uh, with the casual fans. The only real name here that people are really going to know, the casual fan will know, is Quentin Jackson. I mean, Rampage is a huge draw pretty much everywhere. But, you know, guys who actually, you know, follow the fight game, they, they watch fights, they read about fights, they preview fights, whatever they do with them, know that this card is going to be one heck of a lot of fun. You've got a lot of good storylines coming in here. You've got a lot of good potential fights. You've got potentials for finishes. The Japanese crowd is going to be, I believe, going absolutely crazy. Only adds to the atmosphere. You remember UFC Rio, um, 30, 134 and 142 with Jose Aldo. I mean, running out in the crowd. You saw, you heard the emotion that these men have, these men and women, who these fans in Japan, in, well, in Brazil in these cases. But I think in Japan you're going to see a lot of the same thing. These guys, they're going to be ready for these fighters to put on a show. And I do not think the fighters will disappoint. So look to, uh, I'm going to, you know, review my picks real quick here, and then we're going to say goodbye. But uh, Anthony Pettis versus Joe Lozon. I'm taking Anthony Pettis. Uh, Hatsu Hiyoki over Bart Palaszewski. Yushino Kami over Tim Boach. Jake Shields over Yoshihiro Akiyama. Chet Congo over Mark Hunt. Quentin Jackson over Ryan Bader. And in your lightweight championship bout, Frankie Edgar over Ben Henderson. So... This is the first time that I have done a podcast like this. I've not, you know, again, I'm just kind of doing this for fun, thinking, throw out some opinions there. We'll see what happens. If you've got any sort of uh, possible, you know, constructive criticism, if you're, you know, anything at all, I'm willing to listen to it. Just please don't be a troll about it. Don't say, hey, you suck, you're awful, you know, get the hell out. Tell me at least what you think I need to improve upon, and then perhaps I will do so. Again, constructive criticism is the best. It really is. If you've got you know anything to say, if you've got any opinions, anything you want me to cover, I can have you call in, whatever. I, we'll do this on Facebook. Uh, I can make discussion boards, you know, kind of w- w- whatever you want there. But um, for this championship rounds, UFC, preview, UFC 144 preview podcast, my name is Andy Jarek, and enjoy the fights.